Hi, everybody. This is Kathy. And this is Todd. And welcome to our new show called Conversations with People We Love. Um, we're going to be speaking with authors, friends, philanthropists, you name it. It's basically people who are out there making the world a better place. Yes, these people inspire us and we think they'll inspire you. And this program is brought to you by BU, Raising Whole and Courageous Kids. These aren't just workshops, it's a movement. Enjoy the show. All right. Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Uh, conversations with people we love. We have a special guest, don't we, sweetie? She's super special. Why is she special? Because she's one of my best friends. She is? Yes. How, how many best friends do you have? I think you say that about a lot of people. I don't. You don't? I, do I? She, well, has, she has a lot. Yeah, she has a, quite a few. <laughs> she has quite a well, few. Well, let me say this. Don't, does, feel, don't feel bad. Where does our guest rank in the best friend category? I'm not going to do that. No, but... let's, let's separate. Let's really I, get I really need it. to know, Kathy. <laughs> I, I want important. you to list them top to bottom. That's why you're really here. Who's number one? Here's what I have to say about that. I have known Jenny since I was 18 years old mm-hmm. and we went to college together and I've known her since then. And it's okay if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm trying to be very quiet. Okay. So far you're doing a splendid job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so I've been able to, we've grown up together. Mm-hmm. So that's all I need to say about that. So why do we have Jenny on the, on the show today? Well, it's when we started, when we decided to do the show, she was one of the first people I thought of because Jenny, um, Besides just being a great person, she is an adoptive mother. Is that what I would call it? Yeah, adoptive, adoptive mother. mother. What's her last name? Her name is Jenny Zabraki. What's she, her maiden name? Her uh, maiden name is Kaufman. Jenny Kaufman. There you go. Yes. Now I remember. Now it's all coming back to me. Okay, good. Now, now you know who she is. I, I met you a lot, actually, Todd. This yes. is getting awkward all yes. of a sudden. I'm oh, yeah, it. I remember you. I haven't seen you for like six months. So. Oh, yeah, I was <laughs> at your wedding. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, was I at your wedding? You weren't at her no. wedding. Oh. Remember, I was at yours. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for coming to the wedding. The reason You're you welcome. I was actually a personal attendant in your wedding. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay. Do you know the reason you weren't at Jenny's wedding? Do you remember why? Tell me why. Because that weekend you went to Adams. Oh, that was important. That was the 4th of July weekend. Me had to go get drinky. Uh, yeah. You, that was still the beginning of our relationship where you were like, I must go... Get drunk Drink with, with my, my friends. friends. And I said, but one of my best friends is getting married. Mm-hmm. And you were like, yes, we'll see you on Monday. <laughs> Love you. I was <laughs> I was not ready to make that leap. Yes, it was it was a leap. But anyway, so Jenny has she's an adoptive mother, but she's gone through the adoptive the adoptive process twice, had two different experiences. And she um, often shares those experiences with me and she also has a blog. Do you want to promote your blog by any chance? Sure. It is um livebyfamily.com. Live by family. Dot com. Mm-hmm. And so she writes about her experiences. And I think everybody who has read her blog would agree that they're very honest and they're very forthcoming. And I think she says things that not a lot of adoptive parents say, or maybe they do. You know, it's just because I know you so well and I'm reading your stuff. I don't know how, you know, how universal what you're experiencing is. But before I go into that, I want you to just just tell us about your family um, unit as it is right now. Who's in your family and what their names are and stuff. Okay. Um, I have five children in all. I started by having three biological children. Emily's 13 right now. Faye is almost 11 and Will is nine. And then when Will was four, we went to Ethiopia and adopted a little boy who's a year older than him. So right now he is 10. And then this August, we just got home with a seven-year-old daughter, Iris, from China. And Iris is upstairs right now. I got to meet her for the first time. Um, So... 
before we like launch into their, you know, your adoption experiences with them, you were telling me some things upstairs about the process of adoption and how you feel about it. Will you kind of go through that again? Because I was like, stop talking to me because this is good for the show. Um, yeah, I was just expressing how adoption is, it's, it's a necessary thing, I think, in our world and in this time. But there's a struggle for every adoptive kid, because really, we're intended to be born into parents who love us and care for us in the place and the country and time that we are. And, and really, the best scenario is for a child to be raised in that country, in that place, um, by their parents. But unfortunately, because of the world we live in, it's just a broken world. Mm -hmm. There are children that no longer have parents. And so I think adoption is very beautiful um, and wonderful. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, it's just, you know, once again, the white Americans flying over to Africa and stealing one of their best commodities. Mm. Well, you know, I understand that. And I have sympathy towards that. And I very support a lot of organizations that are striving to reduce the number of orphans through education on HIV and, and, you know, for parents so they can keep their kids. But with all that being said, there are children that just don't have parents right now. And um, I just think that because of that, adoption is a, a beautiful thing. And did you, so like, for example, when you were saying flying over to Ethiopia, did you experience that while you were in Ethiopia? Like, did you have like backlash for being there? Did you have that Not experience? Not from people in that country. That is a country that truly loves their children. Um, but, you know, there's this, uh, it's it's all inside, I think, of me, that, that big, mm-hmm. you know, dichotomy, that struggle, because you're there and they think America's the best place ever. Mm-hmm. And you know that you're going to have your, you're not the you know, you're not the savior. You're not coming over to save this kid. You just want to be a mom in a different way. And, you know, they're telling your child, you'll go to America, you'll be so rich, your life will be wonderful, they'll buy you everything. And and they're sort of, no, they're very happy for that child. Um, and they that child will have opportunities. And so they're very happy for it. But I think living in that moment, it's hard for them to see truly how much um, of a struggle that will be for that child to leave his country and remember a mother he had and, you know, just things like that, the struggles that he'll have. And since you said that, we might just launching into uh, Mesfin, mm-hmm. your son who is now, did you say he's now 10? He's 10. Wow. Yeah. So I know, you know, I, you've shared some of the stories with me about when he came home, it wasn't easy. It was not easy. Um, you know, part of it was I have wanted to adopt forever. I remember yeah. telling you in yeah. college. I've I'm, known that for a yeah, long time. I'm not having babies. I'm just going to adopt a whole bunch. <laughs> um, so I want to do this forever. So I think I thought I was somehow going to be great at this and mm-hmm. that I was made for this. And, you know, there are parts of me that uh, my heart is open to this. So I guess that makes me in many ways designed to be an adoptive mother. But at the same time, I was not as prepared. I thought it was going to be much easier. And it wasn't. It was a very, very hard first year. For that, mm-hmm. for us. Why? Uh, because Mesfin had a mother who was HIV positive, and you know, Ethiopia is like 1950s, 1960s for mm-hmm. us. You know, um, and I'm, you know, they tell the moms you're going to die, give your children up. They encourage that wow. as a country, um, and it's just not true. You know, it, it, the HIV drugs now, you'll live a long life. You, you're no, you know, in the United States, our drugs are so great, you're not even contagious anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so strong. Um, but she dropped him off in March, and we accepted the referral, and we picked him up in August. So for that child, for Mesfin, it was like a kidnapping. I mean, mm-hmm. he remembered his mother. He loved her. He How old was Mesfin when he you— He was five. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like just taking a kindergartner out of school and wow. saying, we're all done. Here, go live in a country where— Crushing. Yes. He had never seen a white person. He wow. had never um, knew anything about America, and all he remembered was his mother. Oh. 
Yeah, it was a struggle of a year. His first like full sentence three months in, he just said, with so much anger, he said, you'll never be my mother. I already have one. Mm. And I was like, oh. And I just remember being so heartbroken and thinking, I've always wanted this. I've always wanted this. Why do I have a child who dislikes me so much? Mm. But, you know, it's just a process. And, And he is... Yeah, there's still a wound. There will always be like this wound, I think, in his heart. Of course. Um, <clears throat> that just can't be um, erased. But he has adapted and, and we have grown and we love each other. And it's we have a beautiful relationship now. But there's just, I think, adoptive children, even ones adopted as infants, there's just an unknown. There's a wound. You, you bond with your child even in utero. So every mm-hmm. child at any point that has been adopted has a, a wound in there that needs to be healed. Mm. And that's what makes adoption hard. Do we know if um, Messvin's mom is still around or what the deal is? We don't. The United States um, does not allow you to, you're not supposed to keep in contact with adoptive parents. Oh. So we don't have contact information. We have birth records and stuff, but we've talked about going back to Ethiopia. And he said, a 10 year old said this to me. He said, Mom, you just don't understand. It would be so devastating. Either she's dead or I can't speak to her. And both of those things hurt my heart too bad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so this, you know, and that's just in the middle of a after school conversation and we're having a great day. And I think, oh my gosh, there's an, ev- you, I forget that there's an ever present wound for him. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, completely. Yeah. Completely. And that <clears throat> what you said, it's so true. Like even children who are adopted at birth, who may not have a memory, you know, how often do we hear that they grow up and they become, it could be in their teen years, uh, you know, or maybe in their twenties where they have to find yeah. their birth family. They just need to know. They just need to know. They need to have some answers because it's somehow for, and again, I know this isn't the case for everybody, but it reflects on who they are and how they feel about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so just the fact that you have the conversation in your home and that he's welcome to say, you know, mm-hmm. the, the door is open for him to say whatever he needs to say. That's huge. Yeah. We made a lot of mistakes definitely at the beginning with him, but I think the key for us was to honor his mother, to put yeah. her, her pictures up. And mm-hmm. when he said that to me in the car, I said, yeah, you did have a mom and now you have two, mm-hmm. you know, yes. and I just moved on with it. And so I think that that allowed him to not feel like he had to pick and totally. grieve, you know, and um, our newest daughter, that we just adopted, we named her Iris in honor of the little sister that Mesvin had in Ethiopia. Oh. He had a little sister named Iris that was three at the time mm-hmm. that um, he left behind. So he thought it would be nice to have a little sister again named Iris. So oh, he awesome. remember her. Yeah. I think you had told me that, but I totally forgot that. Yeah. That's, that's so sweet. that's so amazing. Yeah. So the name was his pick. So he got to pick. Mm. Cute. And talk about, you know, honoring his mother, honoring his family, honoring his own yeah. heritage. And so since you brought up Iris, you adopted her from China. So that that's more recent. So tell us that story of adoption. And that has been the complete opposite. I mean, mm. she just grabbed her hand and skipped out of the orphanage and said, see you later, China. <laughs> <And> <laughs> she's, she's a nut. She fits right in. And, you know, she's been just so easy, so great. Um, yeah, no struggles at all. And she actually was in foster care for five years. Mm. And she talks about her China mom and dad and says hi to mom and dad. And How old was Iris when you got her? Or she just, just turned seven when we were there. So she had been out of her foster family in an orphanage for two years attending school. But I don't know, you know, for those two years, they've been saying, no, those were your foster parents. And she got to call them and say she was coming to America. I don't know. I don't know. There's going to be a break there for her, I know, at some point. Because right now, you know, I say, well, you know, did you cry when, you know, you found out you were coming to America? Were you sad? Nope. 
next time I asked her, did you cry? She said, yeah, I cried. I said, it's going to be scary. And mm. then my friend said, no, no, it's going to be good. So the story's changing as she gets more comfortable yeah. with me. So the range of emotion <clears throat> she's starting to allow, yeah. be a little more vulnerable. Yeah. And she said her foster mom cried and mm. said, I wish you weren't going to America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I, you know, again, then we show up in China and no one tells us she has a foster family till after we leave Beijing. So we didn't have a chance to meet them either. Mm-hmm. So I know she talks about, I had a picture with this when I was a little baby and talks about this family she lived with in these pictures and this whole life that we have no record of, Wow! which I think that'll be hard for her one day when she gets older and, you know, her life at our house starts at seven. Right. And there's nothing before that. So. Right. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So what do you think, like, and again, like you said, it's kind of interesting that you had two very different experiences, but there's, you know, probably people who are listening to this who are considering adoption or maybe at the beginning of the adoption mm-hmm. process. And there, there, you may have a whole list, but what are some things that you would suggest to them or what do you, like, what should they be emotionally or mentally prepared for? Or is that even possible? Um, what do you wish you knew? Oh, better question. Thank you. Going Tom. into it that you now know. I just wish I had known um, that it was that, that it was hard. That there are hard things about it. You know, I don't know why I thought it was going to be so easy. Um, Tell me what I do know. Why I thought it was going to be easy because I have the capacity to love a child um, that I did not give birth to. That's mm. not hard for me. Mm. I saw pictures and fell in love with that child, like you do when you see an ultrasound, and that's not hard for me. And I thought that that was enough. And it's not always enough. It's a great thing, and it's a start. And it can heal a lot of wounds, but you just have to come in with the knowledge that, yeah, there's some wounds there and um, that's okay. You, your love will help them learn to live with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all wounded in some in many yeah. ways, right. you know, from our childhood. So just to acknowledge that there's going to be a wound, there's going to be a sense of loss there for all of the children at some point. Well, and you even said to me upstairs, a lot of times, you know, when people go into adoption, they consider themselves the savior Mm -hmm. of that child. And that when a child comes into your home, they're they're not necessarily grateful. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're a child. That was the quote that you just said to me. I think that there's a perception of, oh, you just saved my life. I'm going to love you unconditionally and never give you a hard time ever again because you just saved what could have been a really challenging life for me. But they don't know that. They just know what they know, and they got plopped out of their country, and now they're in this country, and um, there's probably some learning that has to go on for these kids to, and for you as a, mm-hmm. as a mom and your husband, John, uh, to adjust to that because I could see like, hey, man, I saved your life. You got to be grateful for me 24-7, and that's not even close to the way it is, I'm no, guessing. not at all. I mean, they're just kids. I think, though, we all, we, often people look at things through Western eyes, mm-hmm. and for us, you know, Ethiopia has a higher poverty rate. There's so much going on. You go there and you think, whew, so much better where we are. Right. But a child only knows the existence they live in. And, mm-hmm. you know, Mesfin lo- was loved and lived with a mom. It doesn't matter if his house was one room right. and totally. it had a dirt floor. He didn't care. He was loved and taken care of. And we come and say, we're saving you from this. And he thinks, saving me. Right. You're- um, yeah. yeah. That's, he's like, don't, you don't need to save me from my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, orphanages are a little different. Kids do need to be saved in many ways from an orphanage, um, especially Eastern Europe. They're just a really big struggle. Um, they're just not a great place. So there is situations where you are um, saving a kid from definitely an awful outcome. But with all that being said, um, it's, it's, it's a child's not a project. A child's not a, you know, I'm going to save him and I'm going to do this great thing. It's just a child is a child and they still have to go through the same developmental stages and they still have to, you know, do all those 
sort of different things that a child's going to do, whether they've no matter what they've come from. Yeah, their maturity level, you know, the age that you adopted your children, they don't have the capacity to see long term of how things would turn out. And like you said, it's all relative. Mm-hmm. You know, wherever you came from, whatever you see, whatever you knew, you were fine with. Yeah. You know, this is my world. Yes. So big question. As you said, you have three you, well, you have five children now, but before you adopted the two, you mm-hmm. had three. Yeah. So what was their experience with you adopting? Like when, before, when Mesfin came home, how did your children react to that? Um, it, it turns your household absolutely upside down. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they they liked him. And then, you know, five minutes later, they didn't. You know, there was nights Will went to bed and I was like, oh, I'm so glad Mesfin does not speak English because he would lay in bed and cry out. I never asked for a brother. You're ruining mm-hmm. my life. Yeah. He wanted that brother before that brother came. And then that brother shows up and it's a... 24-hour play date. Totally. He was all done. Totally. Um, so he had some nights where he just cried himself to sleep. Um, and they're best friends now. You know, you just... Mm-hmm. But it's it's like having a new baby. That, that you're... You know, times 10, you know, the new baby at least just sits there and everyone can hold that baby that, you know. And you can walk away and yeah. they can say, okay, I'm done, but, <laughs> but not a five-year-old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it definitely turns your household upside down. It's just a process of learning of who we are as a family now, you know, we're just something different now. And we just, you know, it takes six months, seven months, and you just recreate who you are as a family. It's a new, new story. Was there a time when, um, you know, I think growing up, you just kind of want to conform and, and not stick out. And then all of a sudden, you know, like Will and Faye and Emily have this regular family. And then all of a sudden you got this African five-year-old who shows up. And a few years later, you got this Asian girl who shows up. Is there not resentment, but like an adjustment? Like, cause I think a lot of kids want to conform and not stick out. And all of a sudden I got this one brother who looks different and and doesn't speak the language and same goes, or was that never an issue? You know, Todd, it wasn't much of an issue because we have Faye and yeah. our second daughter was born with spina bifida and walks in a walker. Mm-hmm. So they have always been acutely aware of people staring at us. Right. And so it's kind of a joke. And so now they'll say, oh, look at everyone stares at us even more now because right. we just stand out. So. <laughs> right. Now we're double of what now we Now we're double be. awkward. Just, mm-hmm. we're just, we don't fit the mold of, you know, the two children. You broke the, the mold. We broke mm-hmm. the mold. So no, we are a circus sideshow. It's a, it's a joke all the time. <laughs> and we go everywhere. So no, that didn't really bother them so much. They're kind of just used to it, you know. Um, it's made them very overly, um, in a good way, sensitive to other races and other people and things like that. Um, I'll tell you, though, we do have a lot of friends that are adopted as well. So my children have a lot of playmates and family friends that are adopted. So um, Faye has an adoption story. She made one up. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. She wants to be in there? Well, she, yeah. And um, they, it kind of made Mesfin upset for a while. He's like, you know, that's my story. And I'm like, Mesfin, this is how, what she wants. This was about a year ago. And I said, it's just, she was nine at the time. It's who she wants to pretend to be. That's I right. said, everybody, we talk about the joys of adoption. We were in the process of adopting Iris and we were so excited and... We should talk about the beauty of adoption. So she's, you know, made one up. I'm from Texas. Remember when you went to Texas to pick me up? Sure. <laughs> Remember I didn't want to go, but then I decided I did. So we still joke about doing a reunion trip to Texas <laughs> to meet Faye's biological mom. Nice. Well, and, you know, interesting that Faye would have an adoption story because there was a time, and this was a long time ago, but when Emily, when it was Emily and Faye and Emily wanted to be in a wheelchair or I she wanted, do you remember that? that? Yeah, and Emily did. She wanted, she wanted to have that kind mm-hmm. of attention that Faye got for her issue. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, when you're asking the question about, I, I do think kids get to a certain point where, you know, it's a developmentally appropriate for them to want to conform. But before that, they want to be seen. Yeah. You know? Isn't that so true? 
You know, they want to like be louder or bolder or have something different about them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's interesting how they all kind of, you know. You're right. You're trying to, we're trying to celebrate the differences for the kids who weren't biologically born and then the biological ones. (laughs) Celebrate me. Celebrate me. I don't want to just come out of your belly. That's not fun. Come on. That's what every kid does. (laughs) Everybody does that. Well, and uh, parenting is such a hard thing. We talk about that all the time, how it's not an easy thing. And we have... um, you know, we have three daughters and I, I simply, and, and I don't say this to blow smoke, but I'm in awe of all the stories that you have. I mean, just starting with Faye. I mean, I was at the hospital right when she was born. You and were. I, sh- you? I showed yeah. up at the wrong time when something bad happened, like five minutes before then. And I could tell something bad was happening and doctors were in there and it was just really scary. So that alone is more than you and I, Kathy, yeah. have ever experienced from a Oh my gosh, what's happening yeah. standpoint. Like, the amount of surgeries. Mm-hmm. The closest we've had. ever had is I went down the street to get JC's arm set because she broke her arm falling off the slide. Right. That's one of your stories. I mean, you have many stories with Mesfin and I'm sure with Iris. And I'm simply in awe of you. And sometimes when things are challenging, um, doesn't mean that there's not rewards, but it puts a strain on a marriage or a relationship. And I know John well enough. He's actually one of my favorite husbands. I was thinking of that when oh. I was just driving over here. I tell, I tell him, him that all the time. Too. <laughs> you know what? He's number one for you. Well, yes. He's just a rock solid guy. And I love John. And um, it, w- But was there times when things get so challenging where, I mean, do you guys like come together when things get challenging? Or are, are there times, I mean, every marriage has moments of where you're at odds. I just think that there's so much more pressure with adoptions and traveling to different countries and spina bifida. Like, is that, does that make your marriage more challenging or better? Or it's just, it is what it is. Um, no, we've definitely are much closer, you know, over the last 15 years than ever, just through all these challenges, I would have to say, um, we're just good at learning to ignore the other person when they're having a moment, Mm -hmm. you know, and actually for some reason in life, we just are very good also about, who gets to, who, we take turns being rock solid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's been times he's like, I don't have this one. I'm like, all right, I got it. Yeah. I'll just be tough for a little while. Totally. Yeah. So we just take turns doing that. Well, and you guys are good friends. We are good friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and again, that may, the way that Jenny just explained their relationship, you may already understand that they're good friends, but they really, you know, there's a lot of humor. Mm-hmm. There's you a, laugh you, a lot. You laugh a lot. <laughs> if you don't make fun of our lives. <laughs> Then we would cry a lot more. (laughs) Well, and, you know, that's the thing. You're talking about the relationship, but just as a whole with all the things that, you know, Jenny deals with on an everyday basis, because I'll just say a few more things about it, the fact that she has five children. and But she also, this year she's homeschooling Iris, but last year you homeschooled three or four of the kids, right? I did. You're crazy. I am crazy. I am. Why? 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 Um, You know, they wanted to be home, and so I said we'd give it a try, and then Will's changed his mind. He decided he wanted a desk that went, you know, up and down. I said, hey, Reasons a of a great reason to go back to school, buddy. Um, they just wanted to see if they would like it, and I don't know, just different reasons. But um, it's not it, that was a really hard. That's not my favorite thing. Yeah. Well, and I just because sometimes I'm pulling my hair out trying to help them with homework for 20 minutes after school. Well, so but I can't see, imagine. you don't have homework after school. That was actually the best part. No. Now that they're back, I just want to scream. You're giving with their yourself hour. too much credit because <laughs> if you are trying to educate these people during the day, nine I, to two, nine to two, then you're done. No more. Oh homework. my god. <laughs> She's waiting for two o'clock. <laughs> totally. Do you, bell? Do you have like a school bell that goes off in your house? No, that's when I start yelling. That's I'm right. like, Rodan! That's Rodan! the bell. 
<laughs> go play, get outside. Well, uh. and that's the thing is, is you know, I'm, Jenny's my friend, but also just if I stood outside and just even if we didn't know each other, there's so many things she tries and is willing to do and willing to experience. And a lot of us live a life where we try really hard to not have anything happen to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. We try and we don't take risks. We're so filled with fear. We're unwilling to step outside of our comfort zone. And Jenny lives outside of her comfort zone. And that's why you have so much love in your life. It is. It is true. I, that is a, yeah, I do have a lot of love in my life and I'm excited about that. But it is, we get uncomfortable a lot. Sure. Very much in our household. We're sure. like, whoa, we're in over our, our heads. Yeah, our heads yeah. And you know what? That, what's so cool about that is, is of course you are. Mm-hmm. And we are with three and people who have mm-hmm. a new baby are and someone who is single and working mm-hmm. a 40, you know, a crazy week. We all have those tendencies to feel overwhelmed, but it's like, it's the tools we use and the choices we make about life. And that's why, like Todd said, with, with things that have been thrown your way, instead of retaliating, you're like opening up more, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not that far though. Iris wants a baby brother for Christmas. <laughs> You better get moving. <laughs> she said, I didn't want to be the baby when I came to America. I want a baby brother. I was like, oh, no, honey. No. Is, that, is that even on the – no. No. And I would never close my my door and say no more in because I just think, you know, I'm I'm 42. What am I going to do? Sit around and, you know, retire and right. collect seashells? I mean, not fun. <laughs> You mean you don't want to collect seashells? No, I don't. Um, I just feel like I always want to be giving and will I adopt again? Not necessarily. Or I may in years down the road. I don't know. But, you know, I we have talked about fostering or doing different things like that in a while. We're not we're not ready yet. We have quite a bit of adjustment to go. Well, and I know I we're probably wrapping up a little bit, but we got about four minutes. I remember something you were doing, and maybe Mesfin had already been adopted, but where you were, you weren't fostering children, but you were taking in children for a week at a time. What was that? Because I yeah. remember you sent oh. me the information. I'll Tell us about that, that yeah. organization. It's called Safe Families for Children. Um, it started in Chicago through Lydia Homes. Do you know mm-hmm. Lydia I Homes? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's gone nationwide, and actually some countries have implemented. And it's just, um, they really work through the churches a lot and try to get church people, um, churches to do a movement. But anyone can be part of it. And what it is, it's just really about helping women, um, families who don't have support. And it's really shocking how many women are like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm getting dialysis and I have no one to watch my children Mm -hmm. or I have, I'm having another baby and I don't have a babysitter. Um, There are a lot of people without parents to help them or anyone. So it's short term care for children. And um, it's gone very well. It's been going on quite a few years now, maybe 10. And this year, DCFS is now trying to filter DCFS's social services in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to filter all children five and under through safe families instead of the system because they just um, are in safer, better environments, you know. And, um, yeah, you don't get paid for it. You just do it because you're just trying to care for, you know, people who need help out there. And so you you probably don't have the website off the top of your head, do you? It's just safefamilies? It's safefamilies.org, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. safefamilies.org. I think so, yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. The yeah, show. well, and there's just a few times I went over to Jenny's house and there'd be another child there and I'd be like, who's this? And you're like, oh, they're just staying with us just a few days. Well, I know. Well, and here's my, uh, I don't know if this is going to come out right, but there is a, a limit. And here you are having five kids and then you throw in a foster kid just for kicks. Mm -hmm. And I just, and and when I say there's a limit, there's only so much time in your day. Mm -hmm. And there's, I, I believe very strongly in one-on-one time with my Mm -hmm. kids. And I don't know how you do that. that (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you do that if you have five, I mean, or six, if you have a foster kid, like there has to be 
a limit of what you're capable of doing. And so far I have not seen that limit come from you yet. I think I'm, I think, I think I'm okay. I mean, I feel like I still, my kids get what they need and they need a lot. Oh my gosh. I feel like they're very needy. Um, you know, the homeschooling thing helped you spend so much time during the day and then you sit down with one-on-one doing homework and stuff like that, but that's ending. But, um, they all need different amounts of things. So they're not all getting the same amount of time, but yeah, we're very, um, mostly Mesfin actually. Mesfin won't ask for the time, mm-hmm. you know, and he likes it, but right. he's the kid that's like, I'm all right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to make a really conscious effort to remind ourselves to like, let's take Mesfin out to lunch because right. he's never going to ask. He's like, I'm fine, really. But then afterwards, he's like, that was really great. Who's the squeaky wheel in your family? Squeaky wheel. Oh, Emily, she's squeaky wheel. <laughs> and, and Will. Will's a whiner. His life is so difficult. <laughs> I have to take the trash out. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he lays on the ground and just thinks he's going to die. He's taking the trash out. I'm like, geez, Louise, buddy. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. all be, Yeah, they can Moaner. all be squeaky wheels. <laughs> yes, they? Yes. <laughs> Occasionally. Well, and that's the thing. You got to watch out for the for the mess fin, for the non-squeaky wheels, because we yes. as parents just go to whatever um, fire alarm is going off. Right, right. And if mess fin, mm-hmm. you know, just because he's not asking for it, and this is what you just said, yeah, doesn't, doesn't mean he doesn't need it. Right. Yeah. And that's the tricky part about parenting because, you know, we've had these discussions about the difference between boys and girls, how all these parents of both genders will say, oh, my girl's so dramatic. She's such a pain. She's so hard to deal with. And then my boy is just so easy and he never asks for anything. And that doesn't need, mean the, he doesn't inside, need Inside, there's probably something yeah. going on where that kid is stuffing emotion down and it needs to be expressed. Well, and, oh, you know, yeah. going to your what the question you just asked, Jenny, about like there's got to be a limit is it's interesting because right when you said that, I... I thought to myself, it's all relative because you, even you and I going from two to three, remember, or one to two or going to one, you're like, there's no capacity for it. There's no room. And that's kind of what I was saying about, you know, Jenny's a good role model for me. And that is you just keep expanding. You just keep, and again, you're right. If you're being literal about time, there's not enough hours in the day, you know, to do every single thing you want to do, but you start to recognize what's most necessary. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You start to, this we need to deal with. And there are things I've had had to give up. I mean, For sure. um, there, you know, I don't, I used to be a full-time teacher. I love that job mm-hmm. and I can't do that. That's right. just not a possibility. And people are like, well, if your kids are in school, I'm like, no, right. you know, I have five children. They need a lot right now. I can't have even mentally, I can't have all those other things, right. you know, going on the full-time job again. So, you know, there's certain things you have to set aside in order to do that, but it's what, you know, it's okay for me. You make choices. choices I'm making. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. She's well, so lovely. We're at 30. Thank you. Okay. Good. Well, Jenny, tell us your blog again so people can find um, it. Livebyfamily.com. Livebyfamily.com. Mm-hmm. And she also mentioned safefamilies.org. So for mm-hmm. those of you that were interested in that, check that out. And how else can people find you? You're going to have a TV show soon or <laughs> I something? Might. You just don't know. A reality <laughs> show? <laughs> oh, dear goodness. You don't want to see us at home. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> Jenny, thank you very much you, for Tom. joining us. This was really fun. This was actually. really good. So, Thanks, Jenny. Thank you. Adios. Bye-bye. Bye.